if uh, you're new here and you've encountered a paper airplane, it's just part of the culture. It's just part of the culture. <laughs> hey, I want to thank Wendy for being here today. Thank you always. You know, she's, she's part of the family. She's part of the family. Uh, Dave asked her to be here. Uh, he's um, at Hume Lake. I'm leading worship. Um, so uh, anyways, thank you so much. Love it. And you're not done. Got a little more. A little more. We uh, are going to continue our series on origin, looking at Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. Um, every Christ follower must be intimately acquainted, acquainted with um, the first part of the Bible. It's critical because all that we really believe, um, how we live our lives, um, kind of the plan of God, there's, there's so much of that foundationally already in just those three chapters. Now, now, and by the way, once you get to three, you really should keep going to four, five, six. You got to get to 12 for sure. You got to get to 12. Um, and I'm kind of tempted to keep going once we're done with three, but I got some other things I want to cover in October. So we'll see how it goes. Anyhow, um, we're going to continue that. So today we're looking at Genesis chapter three, which is going to be fun. No, probably not. Probably not. We're talking about temptation and how sin entered the world, right? So it's going to be interesting. Uh, just a reminder in this series, we, we've been talking about four kind of um, themes um, that kind of weave through this series, and that is creation, community, corruption, recreation, where we get our word recreation. Let's say those words together, if you would. Creation, community, corruption, and recreation. Now, today we're, we're finally at the corruption part. We're finally there, Bill. And the reason I say that, because this is the part we all should relate to, except three of you. There's always three don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) You know, uh, sometimes when I speak from the Bible, I feel like an amateur, right? Spoke on marriage. It's still a mystery to me. I feel like an amateur, right? When I speak on temptation, unfortunately... Feel like an expert. <laughs> this topic, I understand. This, I understand. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna walk through the first seven verses of uh, Genesis three, and uh, I got so into the rabbit hole on the topic that this is gonna be part one of a two part uh, on on this topic of temptation. Aren't, aren't you excited? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Not, not just one. Two. Yeah, right, 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 right. Two. So we'll see how far we get today, but we're gonna, we're gonna break this down to two parts. Um, so let me, let me just start here in the beginning of Genesis 3, verse 1. And, uh, and, and, and if you're not, if you're not familiar with this, um, even those who aren't uh, Christians oftentimes are familiar with this story. But if you're not familiar, this is where Adam and Eve disobey God. Okay. Adam and Eve are told they can eat any fruit in the garden except. So that's, 
kind of the overview. However, there we go. So, <laughs> verse one: the serpent, <clears throat> the serpent, was the shrewdest, or the craftiest, or the most manipulative. Any, any other synonyms come to mind? You, you get the picture. Deceptive. The, the shrewdest of all the wild animals. That the Lord God had, had made. Now let me just, <clears throat> I'm going to drop some just thoughts as I go here. Uh, I won't be able to expand on them all, but just things for you to think about. Right? And here's one. To start, let's start right here. God created the serpent. His idea. His idea. The serpent that was about to tempt Adam and Eve, was created by God. Here's your assignment for the day. You need to write me a two-page paper on the theological ramification of that and then send it to me so I can understand why God would do that. Anyways, let's keep going. One day, the serpent asked the woman... And by the way, this, this is the beginning of all temptations. These next words. Uh, one day the, uh, the serpent asked the woman, did God really say it? Can we, can we say those words together? Ready? One, two, three. Did God really say it? One more time. Did God really say it? One more time. Did God really say it? foundation of all temptation. Right there. When, when our mind, and by the way, I don't know about how, how your mind works, but the, the ability for self-deception and delusion is amazing. Anybody else besides three of you? We call that a good start. Did God really say, once we start doubting what we already know about God, we're, we're moving into a dangerous area. A dangerous area. Especially if you couple that with the idea, this delusional idea that we're different than everybody else. Come on. Come on. We, we're, we're the exception. Come on. Anybody? Just me? I love when the hands are way up. Thank you. Amen. Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? What's going on here? He's already starting to be crafty, manipulative, twisting. That's what he's doing. Already trying to, he's trying to, he's trying to get a, the Bible calls it a, a foothold or, or a foot in the door. Or if you're from uh, the Middle East, the, the, the camel's nose in your tent. <sighs> so he's trying to do. He's trying to engage. He's trying to engage. Come on, somebody. He's trying to engage. Right? Now, Outside of engaging, Eve's first response is good. Uh, of course, we may eat from uh, eat fruit 
from the trees in the garden? Of course we can, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. Right? She knew. She knew. She knew. She knew. He knew. And by the way, where was he? Where was he? He knew. (laughs) She knew. He knew. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. She knew. She knew. Does that prevent us? Let's, let's, let's be a little slow to judge Adam and Eve here, right? A little slow. A little slow. Ooh, so much going on in my head right now. I'm going to keep going. Okay, verse 4. Uh, he responds, you won't die. And in my mind, I, I envision like, won't die. He's he's engaged. He's twisting. Now he's crafting a lie. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows. (laughs) You see, God's holding out on you. Brian, God's holding out on you. God's holding out on you. That's what's happening here. That's why he's giving me those instructions. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. So this is this is pitch. This is pitch. And uh, Eve's going to take the hook. She's going to bite. And again, where was Adam? I mean, it was Eve. Steve, it was Eve. But where was Adam? Tom, where was he? Working. Thank you. Boy, that, that is the ultimate male answer right there. Good job. Good job. Thank you. Working. Where was Adam? So the woman was convinced. She, she bought it. She bought it. Self-delusion. She bought the lie, right? She bought the lie. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. Let me give you three categories that Satan used in the beginning with Adam and Eve. He used it with Jesus in the temptation in Matthew 4 and he used it with you and me. Three categories of temptation. It's right here. She wanted possession. She wanted the pleasure. And she had the pride to want to be like God. Possessions, don't covet your neighbor's stuff. And if that's you today, stop it. Stop it. It's not that good. And besides, they're in debt having it. Possessions, pleasure, pride. Those three categories are the three bullets he has. That's it. So you you, you got to be you got to be aware of what's coming at you and me as Christ followers, right? Got to be aware of it. So she wanted all that, and it says here. So she took some of the fruit and what? Ah, no, no. And you and I have suffered ever since. No. 
don't eat the fruit. She ate it. Then, where was Adam? Apparently, he wasn't working. Or he just got back from work. I don't know which. Then she gave some to her husband. Who knew? Come on. He knew before she knew. He knew before she knew. He knew. He knew. Then she gave some to her husband who said, I am not going to eat that. What are you doing? No. 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 Didn't do that. Uh, who was with her? Who was with her? Well, there, he was with her. He was right there. And he ate it also or two. At that moment, everyone say moment. Boy. Once you, once you cross that line, once you move from temptation to sin, in that moment, all of you know what I'm talking about. Except three, I know. Three of you, you're still not sure what I'm talking about. i got more for you. Hang on. I'll try to get to it. At that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame. No shame. No sin, no shame. Sin, shame. Right? still works that way. And they suddenly felt shame. You know what's amazing? They had not felt shame before. New experience. New emotion. Isn't that amazing? They had not experienced it before. They were innocent before. But all of a sudden there was this feeling that's described as shame. Uh, I don't know about you. And trust me, I, I wish... I wish I did not sin. I really do. Unfortunately, I do. But when, when you're on a, on a streak with God, like a wind streak, right? Come on. You're on a wind streak. Maybe for some of you, it might be hours. That, that's a big win. Praise God. That's good. Whatever it is. Others, you might be days or weeks or months, whatever. Hey, isn't it a great feeling? When you lay your head on your pillow at night and you're right with God. You're not embarrassed. You're not in shame. You haven't lied to anybody. Isn't that a great feeling? I just want to encourage you right now, man. Honestly, seriously. If you're doing something you know you shouldn't do, or you're avoiding something you know God's asked you to do, because they're both sin. And by the way, sin just means you're missing the mark, right? Literally, it's a bullseye. And we're missing the bullseye we're, as far as how God wants us to live. Let's kind of demythologize the word sin a little bit here. We're simply outside of God's design for our life. But if that's you, here's the beauty of God. Just The Bible says to repent, do a 180, right? Acknowledge he's right and you're wrong. Let me say that again. I felt good. Acknowledge he's right and you're wrong. It's hard for some of us. And uh, he will just cleanse you, forgive you, and, and his mercies are new every morning. Isn't that great? And you can get back on that road of recovery, if I can use that word. Of feeling right with God. Feeling at peace with God. Experiencing what Jesus offers us as far as our relationship with God because of his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. You can live in that freedom. Isn't that great? So that's you. Just, just repent. Don't make it complicated. 
Now, of course, repentance always, you know, you got to change. you got to change. There's there's no repentance without change. Right? No repentance without change. So you got to change. But you want to change. In you, you want to please God. You want to please God. And God has laid that road out for all of us to be able to do that because of what Christ did on the cross. So they, their eyes were open and they, they felt ashamed at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And we, we've been covering sin ever since. Have I reached the three of you yet? Try and try and get the three of you. Because I know I got the rest of us. Try and get to the three. We've been covering sin ever since. If in your mind you're trying to figure out how not to get caught, abort! (laughs) Just run away! Run! And I mean run. Like, A-S-A-P. So this moment in verse 7, this is the end of innocence, paradise lost. Uh, different ways to describe this moment. Uh, and, and, and what Jesus is doing with you and me, he's trying to get us back to the garden. So your whole journey is being renewed back into God's original design and intention for you and for me. That's what God wants. He wants you to get back to that innocent. You, you can get a second shot at innocence. You can. God can give you that. He can give you that. Now, the scripture verse in Matthew 18, I think it's real important to mention this morning. And Jesus is teaching, and he says these words in Matthew 18, 6. But if you cause one of these little ones, a child, get a child as an illustration. Uh, but if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me, to fall into sin, see, children are innocent. They're innocent. I, I know they, we can see the, the sin nature in them when they're young at times. <clears throat> I heard someone tell me a story. They were um, <clears throat> watching a little one, <clears throat> and the little one threw something at them, hit him, and uh, the, the, the adult said, did you do that on purpose? And they went, yes. That's sin nature, man. Did you want to hurt me? Yes. Wow. Okay. Uh, but beyond that nature that none of us can escape outside the power of God in us, children are, need to be as innocent as long as possible. Do you believe that? They need to be as cared for as long as possible. Jesus understood this, and he said these words, um, but if you cause one of these little ones who trusted me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone, hundreds of pounds, tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Now, let me just give you my personal opinion here. This is not hyperbole. Not hyperbole. This is like, no, you should have this done to you. If you cause an innocent child 
to sin. It's an interesting story here in Matthew. Uh, if you, uh, the first part of this, verse 1 of Matthew 18. He, uh, he's, the, the disciples are wanting to know who's the greatest in the kingdom of God. Remember that pride thing I mentioned earlier? <laughs> wow. So Jesus pulls a child in front of them. He says, look, you've got to have faith. You've got to be like a child if you want to be great. If you want to be great, become like a child. He says in verse 4, Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of of heaven. Now he goes on and he talked about um, our verse here, verse 8, uh, that, verse 6, I'm sorry, that uh, if you cause one of these to sin, you, you need to be like, just be like eliminated. I like to call Matthew 18, 6, my, the, uh, Jesus, his mafia moment. Anyone like a good mafia movie? Godfather, you know, whatever. This is like, this is like, this is a mafia moment right here. Eliminate the person that causes a little one to sin. He goes on in verse 7 of Matthew 18. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to sin. Such things must come, but woe to the man or woman through whom they come. Throws out a woe, which is a huge warning in the context of this culture. Now, a couple things here uh, on, on the outline. Temptation. Let me kind of describe it, make sure we're on the same page here. Temptation. Uh, temptation is a desire to do something, uh, something that's especially wrong or unwise, a thing uh, or course of action that attracts or tempts someone. That's what temptation is. Just, so now I got the three. Now I got the three. Didn't understand what I was talking about, right? We're all in that now. We're all. In. Let me read it again. A desire to do something, especially wrong or unwise, a thing or course of action that attracts or tempts someone. Uh, some synonyms are seduction, enticement, allurement, uh, bait. Right. And we know that our enemy. Lucifer, Satan, wants to trip us up, right? Through a possession, pleasure, pride. Those three areas. He, he's luring us in. He's trying to engage us like he did with Adam and Eve. And that's true today. That's true today. Any test? Do we have any testimonies? Is that true today? Come on. Somebody. Come on, man. Now, don't start giving me your testimony. We haven't got time for that. I'm already going to go, you know, as long as I can here. But we know, we understand this. A few things to ponder. Uh, here's the good news from any even the room. Temptation in itself is not a sin. Isn't that great? Come on, someone. Isn't that great? Temptation is not a sin. We're all going to go through temptations, different kinds. Now, here, here's the deal. Your signature sin might be different from my signature sin. We're, we're all going to have areas we struggle, right? 
all of us are going to have areas of struggle. There might be a few that don't, which is great. Praise God if you don't. Uh, But most of us have kind of a signature area or category for whatever reason where we can. There's more temptation. Um, I heard a a buddy of mine say, um, broccoli, no temptation. Ice cream, a lot of temptation. All right. That, That type of thing. But temptation is not a sin. Now, you enter into temptation innocently, but you stay on purpose. Oh, it's getting quiet in here. This is good. This is good. This means I'm, I'm communicating. You enter into temptation innocently, but I, <laughs> you, as Christ followers, we stay on purpose. Amen? Yay, God? We all, we're all good with that? You see, you and I, as Christ followers, we can't say, the devil made me do it. Maybe he tempted you, but he didn't make you do it. And we're going to get to James in a little bit. But, we enter innocently, but we stay on purpose. When I sin, I'll use myself as an illustration here. When I sin, it's generally, and I put the word generally in there to be as gracious as possible. It's generally because I want to. What I usually say is when I sin, it's because I want to. I don't have to. Romans, just read Romans 6. Romans 6, what a liberation. What a great chapter of freedom in Christ. The power that sin used to have on you is now gone. You are no longer in slavery. You are out of Egypt. I think when Paul writes Romans there, he's he's talking, he's thinking Egypt. He's thinking Exodus. And he's he's retelling the story for the new Christians. I really believe he is. But that power that sin had, that slavery that sin once had on you and on me is, is no longer there. It's gone. Just like the Israelites leaving Egypt on the way to the promised land. Sound familiar? On the, unfortunately, they got stuck in the wilderness. That's a whole different conversation. But when I sin, it's because I want to, not because I have to. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, I now have the freedom to live a life pleasing to him. It's huge. So what this does, at least for me, uh, I'll let you work through this on your, your, own, your own theological framework. Uh, I have no excuse when I sin. None. Zero. Dog didn't eat the paper. It's not because of my marriage. Not because of my boss. Not because of where I'm at in life. No, there's, I have no excuse at all. In Christ, I can overcome all temptations. Do you believe that today? I'm not saying you live a perfect life, but do you at least believe that truth? We all have feet of clay, I get that. But we got to start in how we think. See, if you think you're going to sin every day in like word and deed, you're... It's a, it's a self-defeating mentality. 
Instead, we've got to quote Scripture. That we are free from the power of sin. The power that sin once had on us. Now, let's get to James. We'll kind of wind this down here. For today, come back next week. Bring somebody with you. I can't wait for next week. It's going to be great. Hopefully give you some tools to work through these things. James chapter 1, 13 through 15. Now, if, if, you don't, if you're not familiar with James, do you have a friend or you're married to somebody who they have, they're, they're, just, they're just point blank direct in all their communication? The, the grace filter, they skip that line. Do you know that person? Right? Uh, You know, some people are a little more grace-oriented. Like, let's just, let's give them another chance. Others of you are a little more judgment-oriented. Oh, you know what? Stinks to be you, man. You got to pay the price. James is way more towards the judgment side. He is point blank. That's why I love this book. It's so clear. No, it's not ambiguous at all. Here's what he says. And remember, which is like another way of saying, and another thing, and another thing. Remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. Now, God will test you. Constantly. Over and over again, actually. He will tempt you, but he'll never tempt you. He will test you, but he will not tempt you. Do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else. Do you believe that today? So maybe you or you know someone that blamed God. Why did you make me this way? God, if you wanted me to be with just one person the rest of my life, why did you make me this way? Now, none of you have ever said that. You might have thought it, but you never said <laughs> Why, God? You can't do that. I can't do that. Okay? God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. So James goes on. Temptation comes from our own desires, okay? which entice us and drag us away. Gosh, what, a, what, a, what an image. Once that hooks in, it now controls you or controls me. Once I bite, it now now takes me where it wants me to go. Not where I want to go. What's that phrase? Sin will take you, cost you more than you wanted to pay, and keep you longer than you wanted to stay. There's always a third one I always forget, you know. (laughs) Isn't that truth, though? Isn't that the truth? It drags us. It drags us. These desires, here's, here's an illustration you're going to give about birth, childbirth. So ladies, you'll get this more than the guys. Uh, these desires give birth to sinful actions. Okay? So first temptation, then actions. Habits start to form, start to develop. We, we don't want that. We don't want those habits. Right? These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. All right, last verse, and we'll um, 
get our music team back up here. So in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, uh, here, here, Pastor says, where's the good news? Uh, here, just, here's some good news for you. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. So you, we can't say, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. I'm the only one who's ever gone through this. No, can't do that. That, that whole pity party, right? Can't do that. No. <clears throat> Not according to the scriptures. I don't want to believe the scriptures. I, I do. I want to. So, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. Let's just say those words together. God is faithful. One, two, three. God is faithful. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that today? See, we can walk with God not because of our faithfulness, because of His faithfulness. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Do you believe that? Well, then, Pastor Chris, why do I sin? Because you want to. (laughs) You don't have to. God's there for you. God is there. God is fighting for you. He's laid the provision for you. He's currently with you, praying for you. Jesus, the Bible says Jesus is praying for us right now. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Isn't that great? See, at some point, past that verse, we got to start saying things like, I can't hear you, God. Right? we got to literally ignore him because he's there fighting for us. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Do you believe that today? Man, when you're tempted, when I'm tempted, look for the escape. Look for the escape. Uh, my daughter and I and uh, one of our sons and his wife went to a, an escape room. You ever been to one? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Escape room, play the game maybe. They put you in these rooms and you got to get clues And the goal is to get out of the room before what? Before the time goes up. Time's up. God will always provide a way out. You're never trapped. You're never trapped. You always have a way out. That's a great title for a book. You always have a way out. Always. Everyone say always. You always have a way out. Do you believe that today? Always have a way out. I'm going to close in prayer. So the music team, come back up. And I'm so excited for next week. I can't wait for next week. But I, I hope you can take these words and let God renew your minds, renew my minds, or affirm what you already know. So you can stay on the path God has you on. When, 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 we are, when we're free from the power of sin and we're in obedience to God, we can, we, can get, we can get on with God's call for our life so much faster. We can go so much further. See, so much more success in God's calling.
on our life. God's vocation on our life. Is, is that not what you want today? Is that not what you want today? That's what God wants for you. Like a good parent, God wants to see you succeed in that which he's called you to. Now, we, we do music after the message on purpose. This is a great time for you in your heart. Pray to God. Ask God to whatever he's got to do. Say, Holy Spirit, come. Speak to me. Renew my heart. The Bible says the word will, will pierce through bone and marrow and get right to the intentions, right to the intent, the motives of our heart. Let's allow God to do that. Let me pray first. Father, thank you so much for each person here, everyone online. God, I'm so grateful for your word. Keeps us on track, keeps us on mission, keeps us moving forward, helps us get back up and keep going. God, your mercies are new every day. Father, there's there's no temptation that needs to ensnare us ever, ever. God, you will always provide an escape or a way out. God, we believe that today and we trust you for that today in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're comfortable, you can stand or if you'd like to, just sit. There's next couple songs.